Just um, I, some of my family are involved with um, St Mary's Rugby Club, obviously, and I ended up. I pick, don't know how I picked up a ticket. It was that long ago, but ended up at a, a really like huge moment in Irish sport at the time. And Irish uh, rugby has had so much success of late, but back then beating Australia was mm. was unheard of. And um, and for context, for some some of my picks is what um, I'm sort of. What's the word? Middle aged now, so not everything was already today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sort of half heard it, but not everything was on um, on your phone. Not everything was on TV. Mm. So seeing someone like Michael Lyon, it was only a, a snapshot. It was only a couple of times a year. You couldn't uh, just turn on YouTube and watch moments of of different bits and pieces. But this Australian team, and and I suppose what what sort of what I got out of that game was obviously there was there was the amazing moments um, um, in terms of uh, Ireland's tries and mm. people jumping onto the pitch and but it was like you're watching for me and maybe uh, maybe that was 
the sort of the coach or the way my brain worked, you were looking at a tactician, <laughs> like he was a number ten. You were looking at this. I, I was just in awe of him. And what what happens with the great teams is there's a myth about them, and there was a real sense for me, even someone like oh, he's barely a teenager at that stage, ten, eleven. I'm watching it going. There's an air of uh, inevitability about Australia scoring, and 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 the ultimate did, <laughs> and it turned out it was him that caught the big moment, and um, it was a choice. I, I sort of go to these games and you watch people, but I remember watching Lina over Campisi as well was mm. was the main was sort of the big name at the time. But Michael Lina scored all the points on that day, and he was just sensational. And he got a little bit of luck with the try, but at the same time. The greats are always there when the when it's there to my, steal that my moment. My nephew went to Old Trafford last night. His first game. He's like ten, I think. And you know, I I'm wondering, is it nostalgia or were things better when we didn't have access? It was like you say, because like back in those days, even the Premier League or yeah. there wasn't that much football on the box. Like mm. no, it was kind of better for that in a way. Yeah, well, well, there's no doubt quality has improved, mm. but also, um, and I'm guilty of it myself. We all also overanalyze what happens in a, in a mm. game. So if we were to analyze, if that game was to be analyzed now, you'd have radio shows, you'd have newspapers, you'd yeah. have, um, and uh, I think we're sort of missing a little bit of uh, substance in terms of. Uh, sport at the moment so like on, on, on your point I remember Liverpool 3-0 down as a kid and um, against Manchester United oh, if you remember Razor, Razor I was there that day we were at the game yeah and Razor Rudd didn't make the list amazing header no but because Liverpool weren't that good yeah you know? oh they were and terrible <laughs> they were terrible if you look back they were terrible they like. were terrible on the day and they were Razor tough with a pair so, yeah so um, but they're, they're magical moments and it's uh, I suppose like you think of, of kids going to stadiums it's funny um, I've, I go to a lot of stadiums in the UK and I I just not. It doesn't have the same sense of um, what's the enjoyment, or it, I think there's something missing at the moment. Yeah. And you go to the continent, and I, I think probably one of the best sort of sporting uh, moments I ever had in my life was sitting in Warsaw with, in a Champions League playoff game with Dundalk, and I remember turning to Steve Williams at one stage, going like in the middle of the game as a coach you're lost and you're watching you're in charge of set pieces of who's marking who and going Willow Willow this place is amazing I, <laughs> I used another word gone. if I lived anywhere within an hour of here I, or two hours I'd drive here every one week one of the best atmospheres I've ever ever had. ever yeah. experienced yeah. and it was just amazing so I don't think you get that in the UK no absolutely um, there's times where big games like obviously you look at City and Liverpool the other day there was a real tension around it but a lot of the games now are just it's 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 over sort of sanitized mm. and it's mm. just too it too quiet. Totally. These moments are nearly probably heightened in your head. Like when Australia go on a week later to beat the All Blacks and then to beat England in the final, like uh, it probably heightens it that the fact that this is the team that go on to to win, I suppose that Yeah, and, and maybe effort. when we go through my list there's probably a common thread in it when you look at uh, what Line had done in terms of uh, winning the World Cup um, and he, he said it himself that Troy was his best moment yeah. in in his sporting career so bad. it happened in Lansdowne I happened to be there and it was against Ireland obviously 1918 it, 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 um, in terms of the score if you'd have been in Lansdowne talking about it was an amazing atmosphere yeah. but as a young kid I was already watching this guy going he's, he's basically tactically controlling the game and I only had a and I even now, I only have a, a sort of small understanding of rugby in, in, in the sense of 
where it comes from. But um, it was like the quietest place you've ever, once he scored that try, it was just the whole atmosphere was sucked out of the ground. And it was, but it was an amazing moment for them because they went on to win a World Cup. Um, and uh, I think they beat the All Blacks about a week later and uh, in, knocked out England as well. So they'd done it sort of the hard way, away to Ireland as well. So yeah. it was just, it, you sort of, I, I don't know whether you know it or not, and it's easy to say it after, but you sort of felt you were you were watching a piece of history. And one of the greats was that they doing something special in front of your eyes. And that's when, you know, um, if you ever see the, the sort of tries back or the moments back, if the hair stand up in the back of your neck, you know you're... Um, you, you've been, you've experienced. This special. is kind of soppy nostalgia as well. But Vinny's on about the atmosphere and lands on in those days in the rugby. Like watch back some of the documentaries. No comparison to now. Like yeah. and Ireland was downtrodden as a rugby nation. Like there was a lot. There would have been a lot of games where Ireland played well and kind of faded. Like late on, like that that game in particular. But in the eighties, when like Ireland won a couple of triple crowns really really poor country in terms of um, and the atmosphere now you go to games and it's primarily fairly wealthy people in the audience having beers Ireland are very good and it's just not the same it actually isn't and it's I like to I I wasn't at rugby games those days but I know I'm right on that because you you listen back it's amazing how noisy the but place but you watch was. Ireland's try um, t- maybe 20 t- like the crowd celebrate the try with the players yeah. in that corner flag. Yeah. And now that would be a fine. That yeah. would be, you know, it's... it's and it was unbridled. Happened. And, mm. um, and I understand why it doesn't happen now in terms of for security reasons and different things. But and in this day, that wouldn't happen now. So seeing the crowd actually celebrate the try with, with mm. the players on the day. Your second pick, Vinny, is 1995. Again, Irish dreams crushed, <laughs> this time by a 19-year-old Patrick Clivert. So uh, this was a year 96 playoff. Um, big Jack Cliver gets Big Jack Cliver gets a couple of goals so it's yeah. uh, 13th of December 1995 the Netherlands 2 Ireland 1 this was Anfield Anfield yeah so I stood on the cup actually stood on the cup Richard Dunn had recently signed for Everton at the time so the two of us went to the game right and it's interesting the career he went to, to go on to have but the two of us stood on, on the cup that day and um, obviously the Jack moments were special if you ever see the footage at the end of the game the, you'll never walk alone we want Jack yeah, back yeah. I mean the two of us stood there and sang it as loud as anybody and he came back out with his flag and you sort of but at the same time you knew it was the end of an era that the team was tired it was it was time to sort of regenerate that team and you, you already got that sense but but Clivert again we you know, when you look back on players now, you look at Haaland and what he has become. We've known that and we've seen that footage for the last four or five years with Clivert and what he was doing at Ajax was under the radar in many ways. Now, he had just scored the winner in the Champions League final at 18 years of age. Don't get me wrong. But it was sort of the TV coverage has sort of helped my memories, if that makes sense, because it was it was all of a sudden I was watching a star now. He, he was part of an amazing Overmars at that time was was world class as well. Seidorf had just come through that Ajax team, Van der Zaren goal. So it was sort of um, a golden generation of Ajax players. But he on the day, like Paul McGrath playing centre half, he on the day, he could have had five or six and he scored two amazing goals. And albeit he crushed Ireland's dreams and we had a couple of chances. I remember Terry Phelan blazing over the bar and maybe a half volley from the edge of the box by McGrath but on the day the Dutch just looked world class and, and him in particular and to see somebody so young like 18 years of age 
Um, it's funny to think back to it. Because we were in two World Cups in a row at that stage. Yeah. And it was almost like... I remember thinking, what was I, I would have been, what, 14 or that. I was thinking there was almost a surprise that... Yeah, we were fairly beaten by Holland in a one-off. It's like, geez, are we are we at that level now where we just have to accept and look at look at like we had riches then that we didn't understand. Yeah, and and even um, and sort of it was still Cascarino playing up front. Mm. Like so, when and I think world football was beginning to change. And there's a few moments where for me it changed. I mean, you look at France '98. I think that's when football changed to real athleticism you look at we'll go on, maybe go on to Spain later on in 2012 that's when the the sort of possession game and, and the ability to keep the ball changed but but it was like this Dutch team young youthful players with the same time they you know the likes of Seidoff wasn't um, wasn't shy about making a tackle in any way mm. shape or form but it was it was it was a different way of doing it and uh, we looked tired and all that that day and ultimately Jack's tactics had run out, out of its, its sort of lifespan mm. on that day and Cliver had punished us so much like his, his dink for the second goal mm. late in the game was just it, like it was right in front of us in the cop but it was amazing to see and I just went I know, I know his career sort of I don't know he had an amazing career in many ways, but he, he got a knee injury heading into that World yeah. Cup. And I, I know he did score against England in the 4-1 defeat at that uh, championship, but he wasn't he wasn't the same player for a couple of years. Went on to have a brilliant career, I think, at, at Barcelona. But it was like, you, it was almost like, um, for me, as much as I'd seen him on and off the TV, as I said, to see somebody like that live, you go, wow, this guy is the real deal. And... Um, it was, it was sensational on the day. Is 16-year-old Richard Dunn set her half in the crowd standing beside you going, ah, I would have stopped live right there. Yeah, it's funny. I don't, I don't remember him saying that too much, but <laughs> uh, uh, it's, funny. It's, it's funny when you think of like singing We Want Jack Back and different things like that. When, um, when, when you think of it, there was no cameras around at the time, there was no camera yeah. phones, no text messages. <clears throat> um, he had just signed for Everton and you think the career he went to to go on to have yeah. and he marked Cloyvard not that long after that to be honest a couple of years later he ended up marking Cloyvard so um, I don't remember having in-depth conversations with him at the time in terms of what would you do against this guy because you know yourself it seems so far away but um, <laughs> it's it, it was a uh, no it was a special moment but I think I think the Cloyvard part of for me was was amazing but also the whole occasion, yeah, like uh, that was one of the best occasions I think I've ever been at mm. Anfield. And then the the sort of it, it was a weird thing where the Dutch fans start applauding, and you knew they were applauding the Irish fans. So then the Irish fans start applauding the Dutch fans, and it was just this Good weird, vibes all around. just this great vibes. And then it's, <clears throat> it's just, we came out of the stadium. And then all of a sudden got hostile because typical, typical the wrong word, but the British police were there, and you could tell. They, 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 at that time, they policed football games completely yeah. different. And something was in the air. Yeah, and there was something in the air. And I remember um, we were only young lads. We jumped in a taxi and went back to uh, Richard's Digs at the time and just got out of the city as quick as we could. But it was there was still that sort of hooliganism element around uh, British football at the time because uh, it was obviously played in a neutral venue. So I'm sure uh, poor Alan Kelly and Goals remembers remembers mm. Patrick Cliver quite well from that night as well. Yeah. Your your third pick is a better memory. It's it's also against the Dutch, but Roy Keane's intrepid yeah. performance in two thousand and one. Um, this one went went the right way. So this is the two thousand and two World Cup qualifier course, September first, 
2001, we all remember what happened with the goal um, with Jason McIntyre, but Roy Keane's performance that day was uh, something else. Yeah, I, I think if you remember in the first minute, he, he just nailed Mark Overmars <laughs> and he didn't get booked and he didn't get booked in the whole game. Right, he didn't but get booked at no, all. No. Remember Yap Stam's tackle on him going into the goal? Then? Just in, in, yeah. in the build-up for the yeah. goal. and. Um, I remember Mark Van Bommel and him went up against each other and it just he, he just had him on a piece of string. It was like a, a toy. Couldn't happen to a nicer fella. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you, like it's funny, we, we now the the Roy that we know now, it's um because I grew up sort of a Liverpool fan, but I was always quite neutral in terms of even to this day who I like, who I didn't like. I never had a real love for Roy Keane. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it was, but that day I remember uh, it was the old Lansdowne as well. So you were up in that old sort of main stand. And the the atmosphere was obviously... We were expecting to beat teams like Holland at the time. When you yeah. think of where we stand now or over the last sort of 10, 12 years. But I think Roy, he had this... Um, we all... People have different views of Roy Keane in terms of how he played. But... He had this calmness about him. I know the game ended fran- frantic, as in the Dutch had six, seven forwards on that stuff. But if you actually go back to the game, he was so controlled and measured and everything. He was so he was calmness was personified. Mm. His passing range um, went to slow the game down, and also what he never really got, gets the credit for when people talk about Roy Keane, the player, his ability to make. Uh, breaks into the box and in behind people and and that stretches midfields and particularly the way the game was played then nearly 4-4-2s four, four um, I remember one time he made a run in behind it was in behind Stam and McIntyre over hit the ball goes to the end line and like the crowd went quiet and you like you could hear Roy nail a McIntyre and <laughs> like McIntyre the usual they yeah, yeah. Made up years later. Yeah, no, they obviously <laughs> made up as as it developed. But his performance that day and um, it's the, the tragedy of what we knew was going to happen in Saipan. Yeah, like yeah, and, and and that's the the killer part. Like, um, he obviously had such high standards, but I don't think if he didn't have them standards, Ireland would have won that game. Mm. Like, we, we they had a corner at one stage and it's cleared to the edge of the box, and it's a brilliant moment where, and it sort of summed up. Roy in many ways because people will sum him up by the tackle on Overmars and, but he broke with 60 yards Japstan is, is sort of running after him he's the only one nearly in the Dutch half he just kills the ball with his studs and just rolls it back to a Gary Kelly or uh, someone behind him and just like really really calm and um, I remember one stage there was a ball back Richard Dunn played that game uh, because uh, he came into the team on that game it was him and Steve Staunton a centre half um, and all of a sudden the Irish players were passing and passing through the lines because Roy was demanding of them to do it as in his positions yeah. or he wasn't because of the level he played at. I remember one stage he got the ball the Dutch had a, 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 he won he won a he won a ball in the midfield gets it out of his feet turns and I actually remember because obviously I'd sort of uh, I was mates with a guy playing here this was weird and he just fires it back to Richard Dunn who first time passed it out to Gary Kelly and you're like 
this is and it was so almost even at that time on Ireland like because we're starting to transition and have we had anyone like that since as well Vinny this is the thing we've never had that midfield general and you look at us even against Armenia where we lose our way very quickly we change the midfield we just haven't had anything like that no. where it's like he, he demands it like he, I, I, and I look after this ball for you yeah we, we've had flashes of, of brilliant moments in terms of uh, people have gone into that position and done really really well at different stages but no of course we've never had that world-class midfielder the, like in fairness in that game you had um, when you think back to the previous Dutch game maybe in the playoff you Duff Duffer was brilliant on the day as well to be fair to him Kevin Kamban played uh, Gary Kelly played Steve Phelan came on I think but um, the Duff done uh, Robbie Keane obviously we, we but that is such a pivotal position in football that if you don't have that you're going to struggle, and and he set the tone for everything that was good about us. So, no, we've we've had like if you go to the Euros in 2012, I think probably our best player was um, uh, Keith Andrews at the time mm. in midfield. We've had different moments where Josh Cullen is now is trying to emerge in that position, but he's he's very different than than what Roy Keane is. So, it is a big big problem for us. We we've we've sort of stopped developing those sort of. I think we stopped developing number tens in Irish football and that sort of really great number six. Mm. Just looking at the Dutch Dutch lineup from that day as well. Van der Sar was in goals, then the, the back four, Mario Melchiot, Kevin Hofland, Arthur Newman, Yap Stam, you Philip Koku, the captain for the Dutch, Overmars, Van Bommel, Zenden, and then Clivert and Van Nistelrooy up top. And then off the bench, Hasselbank, Van Hoydonk, Van Bronckhorst. Didn't realise as well, like Steve Finnan comes off the bench on 60 minutes. Yeah. On 67th minute, he crosses for... We were down to 10 so up. long as well. We were down yeah. to... So, um, uh, Gary Kelly got sent off yes. as well. And it, it, but, but going back to Roy... That's just literally two minutes before Finnan comes uh, on. And, and uh, I want to explain this well enough. Go back to, to Roy though, right? He, he picks up the ball on... Uh, just, just inside his own half, on the far... Uh, touchline Van Bommel is close to him amazing little bit of skill he drives straight across midfield Yapstam jumps out of the back four which actually helps the goal makes a stupid tackle on Roy Keane uh, Damien Duff is sort of in central he's off his, mm. his wing position he plays the ball Damien Duff then Stam absolutely nails Roy Keane and then Duff goes out to Finnan whether it's a great cross or not it doesn't, it's overhead cross doesn't the matter. Dutch are, are out of shape because of what Roy had done if you ever watched the goal back, and then uh, McIntyre, obviously it's a brilliant finish, but it was it, the goal came from Roy's brilliant bit of skill against Mark Vommel on the actually right on the um, uh, left touchline. Was that our best team there. that we've ever had that day? In the sense of because Keane didn't play in the World Cup, so was that was that as good as it got for Ireland, or would you go back to the early sort of the late eighties? Around the sort of early Jack era, um, yeah, I, I suppose I probably, I think, I think you would in terms of, I think for players we had um, in terms of around Aldrich Houghton at the time, um, you know, Ronnie Whelan, those people were in and out of the team. Or defensively, were really strong. I think the team that played against um, Italy in the '94 World Cup was probably our best team. McGrath and Bab at the back. Um, Houghton, albeit off the right. People say Jack never had tactics, and I think that's I think that suits the after dinner speaker mm. uh, type of element. But if you even go back to that goal Ireland scored in the '94 World Cup, um, 
Uh, John Sheridan dropped short. Andy Townsend was more of a sitter. He he was the runner in the game. Yeah. John Sheridan dropped short, gets it off there, Dennis Irwin. Yes, he goes long, but actually Houghton is in that sort of number 10 position mm. that he came in off the line and then chips one over the keeper. But that team, I think, was probably where we were at our very, very best. Your your fourth and penultimate pick on you had to be there this morning, Vinny, is Euro 2012, another pain for memory, Andres Iniesta yeah. performance as a Spain beat. Isn't it? Yeah, let's talk it all through. Yeah. Uh, Spain 4, Republic of Ireland nil. murder on the Gdansk floor, I think was one of the, the headlines. In one of the having, having that one. Ah, oh, brilliant yeah. one. Mm. Um, a tough night for Ireland, but what a, what a night for Iniesta. Yeah, but, and, and again, it's a bit like lying at the start, right? I, Iniesta was amazing on the day, and I remember sitting in the stadium saying... Because, again, it's 2012, so you're starting to see a lot more football and he's mm. part of this great Barcelona team that, that w- was, w- was really good. The, the Spanish had sorted a lot of their problems out um, in terms of the Real Madrid were so strong, Barcelona players, the clash of, of these sort of players. And they grew into this tournament and I think they brought football to a new level. It yeah. was, it was um, He played sort of narrow off the left but he had this freedom to go and roam everywhere and he was turning up in different positions. He did direct handing two of the goals he scored that night. He went on to be player of the tournament. Um, he was just simply sensational throughout that tournament. And to see him live and to see what he'd done to that Irish team, who, look, that Irish team were tired at the time. It yes. was... It was uh, it was a step two, and it, it was difficult. It was a difficult night because around that time in 2012, funny. I went to the tournament. I I don't know what weight I was. Right when I went, I went for 14 days. I was in around the team uh, hotel. I know everyone was, but I mean properly in around the team hotel. And I think I came back about stone and a half overweight at the time, uh, heavier than what I, I remember getting off the plane Dublin Airport. My wife picked me up, gone. Look at the state. <laughs> I was in bits. And your weight isn't great either. Yeah, uh, weight wasn't great either. And, but it was an amazing time. And for someone, I had just re- sort of finished with football and I was doing bits and pieces. Because when you're involved in football, a lot of these tournaments, particularly in League of terms, happen. That's why you're at not many of them. They happen while sort of we're in season yeah. or different things. And this time I had the freedom to go. And it was an amazing experience, that European Championships. Ireland were really, really poor. But I think I've seen one of the great midfielders of um, the great generations. I think I've seen one of the most ma- amazing performances that any midfielder has ever put in, in, in from an Irish, sort of, or against an Irish team or anybody I've seen. And then it played out, they were, that, that team was just cruise to the, yeah. the to the European just championships at, like that Spanish starting lineup as well um, like Casillas Arbeloa Pique Ramos Jordi Alba Xavi Busquets Alonso Silva Torres Iniesta and then the, just to refresh people's memories we were only 1-0 down at half time Torres fourth minute and then second half David Silva gets a goal four minutes into the second half Torres gets his second on 70 minutes and then Fabregas in the 83rd so at half time we're probably thinking geez they're all over us but if we just nick yeah. the goal here you do and you you do think like that particularly with say Robbie on the pitch or Duffer we're hanging hanging here and, and it was in many ways that was the Trapatoni way in terms mm. of staying in a game and hopefully some big moment can happen and a lot of Ireland's big moments around that time did come like the goal against Germany yes. when you are getting bashed a little bit and then one big moment from people but I think the big moments had gone out of that group unfortunately And but if you even go back to and this is where so the, my brain works from a tactical point of view all of a sudden Spain there was a team playing with no wingers here 
So you'd like um, Iniesta playing narrow, and and the re- responsibility was Arbeloa and uh, Georgi Alves to go as w- almost wing backs, even though they weren't wing backs. So Spain to play that way had to keep the ball for fun. Had to so the Xavi Iniesta um, and they could Busquets and they could <laughs> and they did. Now it's funny. I was only recently checking the stats. It's saying that our um, our Spain had sixty six percent of the ball, right? <laughs> but it actually on the night felt like they'd eighty nine. 80 yeah. to 90 percent of the ball at mm. the time so albeit we were one nil down we were completely and utterly outpassed and um in in that moment that was a real snapshot of iniesta he got three man of the match in throughout that tournament awards won the player of the tournament and as i said i think all right he had amazing players david silva um, um and again i don't think torres started the final so they were they were changing how people played football for me around that time um it was david silva um but it was it was a new way of playing football and it was just it was it was just amazing to see in terms of um i'd like to think that uh, that was 2012 so when we went into Dundalk in 2013 we just replicated copied Spain but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't get away with that pretty much did yeah your final one Vinny uh, you got a trip later that year in 2012 then in December over to the States Kobe Bryant against the Philly 76ers um, yeah 16th of December this so the left field one now yeah, late yeah I, I, I'm sure people didn't see this was coming so um, br- briefly I was over with the um, uh, NFL hockey team um uh, the Philly Flyers so I was, I was over with them for a week had something I pre-planned again this was just before I went into sort of coaching and um, but they were on strike at the time there was a, there was a hockey strike we went on for nearly six months so but we got to see them train got to uh, be around them but just happened to be in NFL or the NBA game was on in Philly while I was there went online and I got like courtside tickets for something ridiculous like a hundred dollars right. on the day Jeez. like it was it was like i was like there's a mistake here and um again you didn't have on, on my phone i didn't i don't think we had video at the time but you certainly had i have a picture on my phone of colby scoring a, a three-pointer and i'm literally uh and when he got taken off or when he got set down he was like two yards in front of me it was amazing Jesus. and i wasn't a big nba fan at the time or probably still amant but he he calls it to it, it, it's amazing so I'm talking about Iniesta and the moment he had and Michael Lina saying it was his best match so Kobe ta- talks about the 2012-13 season being his best of his career right now they didn't they didn't ultimately win the top prize at the time but he scored 34 points on the day and he Six was assists and four rebounds as well he was just like the stadium was electric and there were spare seats around and different things but they were playing away from home but every time you got the ball it's it's what the greats do you just get this sense of like anticipation something magical is going to happen this was in Philly this game this was in so, Philly so, so a lot of the home fans were, were pretty yeah, no doubt on the yeah but but it wasn't it was like it's almost like you're watching they were watching one of the greats doing something great <laughs> so it was I think statistically it was his best season but to score 34 points of 111 doesn't seem that much but it, it was huge at the time no it's not something that people generally do and um what you just you you can't explain when you're watching someone 
that is that great, what he has, what's the special. And I, 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 we often use this phrase, going back to even Dundalk, about creating a myth. There was this, you're almost looking at someone mystical in front of you. Like he's, you're talking about two yards sitting in front of you, five yards from the troll line, you're watching him getting three points. But the, the, also then you do realise, so you, you watch a lot of NBA on TV and the athleticism that's needed. Um, and he was a cut above everybody uh, on on the time at the time. Can I can I ask you very briefly? I'm probably taking this over here, but do you look back now at that 2016 run and you look at Rovers haven't scored a goal yet in four games and kind of look a bit out of their depth at times in in Europe? Do you look back and think? Dane Massey hit the crossbar in Tala against Zenit and we were nearly seven points from three games on top in the group. Did this actually happen? And you're like, you expect Dundalk then struggled afterwards the next time, but you're like, Jesus, this happened. Well, well, like. Um, not to go up on a tangent, Johnny. I, it, it's two. It's ten years. When next season starts, it's ten years since me. Or sorry, since Stephen took over Dundalk. Start, yeah. And sometimes, um, uh, again, you're talking about a therapy session. Sometimes I have to remind people I was with him that day as well mm. when he mm. took over. It was generally the two of us, right? So you but, were starting off, and he's almost kind of trying to reinvent himself. Yeah, so, after. Uh, so I was there for that moment. So, but. I th- I think in the last ten years that Dundalk team should is there. Everyone argue about the great Shelbourne team, about great Rovers team that won four, but that is one of the greatest teams and the greatest achievement of a League of Ireland team in mm. terms of where they took the game to. You talk about moving the game on other levels. I think they did that. Fitness levels in the league, professionalism in the league went up another level because to compete with Dundalk, you had to. Didn't lose and, one game in the group by more than a goal. And so, but. But to sum up the way, and I don't know whether every coach thinks like that, but to sum up my brain, I've got probably three memories in the last 10 years of different things. And the three of them are Dan Massey hitting the post because I think we'd have got out of group if that goes in. Mm. I think I think Zenit would have, you know, I don't mean give up, but 2-0 down. Mm. They, they, they were going to get out of group anyway. I think we would have got out of group if that, that ball goes in. Uh, the penalty shootout um, in 2019 mm. that Dundalk lost. We probably deserved to lose the game. We we lost Pat, Patrick McElhenney and Chris Shields in the build-up. But I remember that. And I remember last year against uh, Vitesse Arnhem. I think if we if we score in in our sort of last 10-minute spell, mm. we, we knocked him out and we, and we, could, mm. we progress. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying to you, you only remember... You only remember the sort of not the failures, but they're like I I had amazing moments with that team and met doubles, European runs, experience stuff. But they're the stuff you remember. And what what I'd say on on that this is a long winded answer in your sh- Shamrock Run. Like you, you have to make these moments special mm. because yes, the Conference League has given people a chance to play European football regularly, but. I just think there's big moments passing some big players, boy, and I hope I hope they don't regret that. Totally agree. And he, he could have said like I was there for Robbie Benson's goal in Warsaw. <laughs> I was actually on the bench, or Robbie, I was there for Robbie, Robbie Benson, Patrick McElhinney's goal in Arnhem. You're like, Ugh. you know what? I debated Daryl Horgan's performance away to Zenith Bennett, in Petersburg, yeah. but we didn't win the game. Yeah. And again, it's a, Patrick McElhinney hit the crossbar in the 91st minute. Mm. I still can see that moment happening in front mm. of me. I actually can't remember... The orange ball. The, the other big moments that happened in that day, but I can remember that. Brilliant. 
move, Daryl Horgan picking it up, driving past uh, people um, and, and pinging the ball out to McElhenney, counter-attack, and we hit the crossbar to go two on the game. Uh, so, that again, may, and maybe I'm different, but it's funny that you remember that moment mm-hmm. and not the other big moments. And that's where you hope that the Shamrock Rovers group don't live to regret not seizing the moment of, of, of what it is yeah great moments there but sadly none of them made the, the final five so just to, just to recap Michael Lina Ireland World Cup defeat in 1991 um, then we went to Patrick Clivert in 1995 Roy Keane's performance in 01 Iniesta wrecking us in uh, Gdansk in 2012 and then Kobe Bryant in Philadelphia December 2012 uh, Vinny great picks unbelievable uh, thanks a million for coming in this morning thank you that is the latest episode of You Had To Be There you're so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life. You had to be there. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.